But we're really blessed today. You know, for those of you who are new to the church, what we try to do is we try to get our um, missionaries to come and share with you what God is doing in the mission field. You know, we have missions that we support overseas, in Asia, in um, South America, in Africa, in East Europe, Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe. And what we do is we call them, and, you know, we used to just give them like five minutes. But then you really can't get to know what they're doing. And so we give them the entire service so you can know what God is doing um, in their lives and how your support is making a difference in the world. And today we get the privilege of hearing from Family Promise. And what's Family Promise? Family Promise, and they're going to tell you a little bit more, but Family Promise is an organization that um, serves the home, homeless families. And it's a partnership of 13 churches, and we're one of them. And so four time, three to four times a year, what we do is we house homeless families here on campus for one week. And then we, you know, we feed them, you know, breakfast, you know, lunch and dinner. And it also, and then we house them. So it provides them an opportunity to give them a rest from not knowing where they're going to sleep. Or at least, you know, some of these families, they do sleep in their cars, right? And so just think, you know, you, for those of you who are parents, what it would be like to look into the eyes of your children and say, you know what? I'm sorry, we're going to sleep in a car another night. You know, and so this is what Family Promise does. And we've been partnering with Family Promise for, I think, about 12 years or 13 years now. And so we're blessed to have several representatives from them, from Family Promise, to talk about. The first one is person is Remy Easterling, and she's the new case manager at Family um, Promise. And she was trained by the former executive director, Melissa Odote, who moved to um, Tennessee to uh, work there. But she um, has worked in, um, I'm sorry, Remy has worked in education uh, for five years and is currently pursuing her MSW at Cal State Los Angeles. And so we're so happy that she could join us, along with Karen Robeson, who is one of the founding members of Um, Family Promise, and, you know, God bless her, because every time that they've needed a new director, she was the one who stepped in and is like the acting interim director. And being a director, you know, that's hard work. But she, you know, she's been so faithful, and she has such passion for the ministry that every time there's this transition, she's the one who stepped up, and she's going to be talking with us today. And we have also a board member, Jane Huffnagel, with us here this morning, who's a board member who also has passion. So, you know, please get to know them after service, but once again, we're so glad to have them there. So, you know, Karen and uh, Remy, would you please come forward? Good morning. Thank you. And thank you, Pastor Dave and Carrie, for inviting us today. This is just a pleasure to see people in the person again. Ah. And I, I need to tell you, I'm going to read a lot from my notes because I'm a little older than when I used to do this <laughs> before the pandemic, and I want to make sure that I don't ramble on. So um, I will be reading some notes. And Thank you, Mission Valley, for giving us this time. This is really important 
time to be able to talk to the people that actually serve our families. Um, So I just wanted to start with Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you visited me. Then the Lord said that what you did for them, you also did for me. So I think that's really important for us to remember because this really pretty much describes a lot of what you do as part of Family Promise. The only thing we don't do is visit in the prisons. Um, So you feed them, you clothe them. At times, I know we have a compassion closet and people donate to Axe Thrift Shop and our families can get vouchers and go there to get, you know, get whatever their needs are, including clothes especially job readiness clothes. It's for those that need to apply. Uh, And you actually invited them into your church home to sleep here at night and to fellowship with you at dinner. So you do all of these things that the Lord was talking about. So I want, you know, just to acknowledge that that's a big big bite, you know, and you all do it so well. So, yes, I'm Karen. I am a board member at this point. I was one of the co-founders with Michael Jinn from Evergreen. And I don't think of myself as a founder, more as a seed planter, because everybody stepped in to get this organization off the ground. Now, we're an affiliate. We're a local affiliate of over 200 affiliates in the nation. So there is a national organization as well. Now, one of the things that... um, I wanted to also do is to mention Remy, because she is our new case manager, and this is her first speaking engagement, so so that's really exciting. And Jane, this is her first visit to the church as a board member, so this is a a new thing for everybody but me and the old dinosaur. But planting seeds is really important, and I think that you all plant seeds. That's how you do discipleship, right? So that's where we go. So the thing is, the pandemic really did impact all of us. We, we know some of you are still online as opposed to those who are here in the, in the church. I know I, I worship online with my church mostly right now still. And so every one of us has been impacted. But one of the impacts for us was the lack of personal contact with our congregations and volunteers. We haven't been able to see you in person for a long time, it feels like. So we're really delighted to be here and see you at this point. Now, at the same time, it kind of thrust us into the world of technology. And so I'm grateful for that because I'm now a Zoomer. I know I can host a Zoom meeting. I can schedule a Zoom meeting. And it breaks down geographic boundaries, you know. So there are some good upsides to the pandemic as well as some downsides. (laughs) So it's been kind of fun. So, but we've been, you know, all of us here, we've been blessed to get through that. Some people weren't as lucky, and um, we need to remember that we need to have a lot of gratitude for getting this far through the pandemic. So now we're ready to relaunch, hosting our congregations in our new normal. So I'm so happy to see you in person again and to be able to say thank you for your long-standing participation and support of the Family Promise families. You've been here since the beginning as Pastor Dave. He was one of the original pastors that when we were just talking about the idea, 
Pastor Dave was on board. So thank you for your leadership on this. Um, and, it, you know, there are many other pastors, but pa- there were a key group of pastors in the beginning, and Pastor Dave was one of those that really helped us get going. And so now, 10 years of actually hosting the families, almost 11 years in November. Now, as one of the original hosting congregations, you did a lot for us. One, you had wonderful committed host coordinators and volunteers who were serving families prior to the pandemic actually here in the when during the pandemic you were actually helping us to house them in motels. You also donated a nine-passenger van for us, which we used in the early years before Lyft and Uber to get our families around. You know, they had to have transportation. You supported us with your financial gifts. You were very generous and still are very generous. And this is a much-needed and much-appreciated <laughs> gift, to say the least. You also attended our events. I know one year we had an event called the Big Band Theory. It was the swing band that Caltech and JPL uh, scientists have their own band. And we had one of your ministries. I don't know if it was a dance ministry, but I loved watching your couples dance around the dance floor to the Big Band Theory. It was so awesome. In addition to that, you hosted a fundraising for us called Box City, and it involved more of the youth, actually, at that time, where they decorated the boxes and they slept in boxes at night in your parking lot. So you've done a lot for Family Promise over the years, and you should be really proud of yourselves. But there is much more to do. And just a couple of statistics. 35% of all homeless persons nationwide are families with children. 35%. More than one in five or 15 million children in the U.S. under 18 live in poverty. And that that number has, that percentage actually has increased every year. So it's now about 21%. But with your help, we've been able to continue to serve the families in need even during the pandemic. So we need to give ourselves credit but recognize that there's a lot of work left to be done. Of necessity, we housed our families in motels, which was not the most desirable way to do it, but it kept everyone socially distanced, and it enabled them to be able to isolate when they needed to. Um, Some of our patients, some of the parents, not patients, I'm an old social worker from healthcare, (laughs) slip a little, some of our parents were essential workers, and so they were at, they were part of the really needed workforce out in the community when we were at home doing remote work or not, you know, and just not being out there at all. So they needed motels to allow them to feel safe and, you know, a little bit safer than they would in a communal living situation. But we have a new normal now, and we're, we have a better opportunity to provide a quality, supportive hospitality experience to these heroic families. Once again, we can actually do mission work in our home church and mission work with our whole families if we want to, okay? So that's coming. It'll come in little bits and pieces, but it's coming. Now, Remy's, as, she, as I mentioned, she's been with us a few months, and I thought she could maybe share at this point in about some of the current families that we have and some of the families that she's experienced. So take it away, Remy. Good morning, Mission Valley. Thank you so much for having me, um, or for having us, for having Family Promise. Um, 
I have had the pleasure to be a part of the Family Promise organization for three months now, and I've gotten to bring in three families so far, one of which already made a successful exit within just one month. Um, So I'm currently working with two families. Um, The first family is family of three, single mom with two kids. Um, When I met them, they were living in their car. Um, But since they've been in the program for over a month now, um, her three-year-old son, well, both of her kids have special needs, um, but since they've been in the program, her three-year-old son is now potty trained, and he is communicating a lot more effectively and efficiently, and he's just made so much progress um, socially. And her 12-year-old daughter, same thing. She's just been able to sort of like grow within this month, and she's gotten a lot more comfortable talking and just being social. Um, So it's been really nice to see how far they've come in such a short amount of time. And, you know, the mom is is really, um, she's always expressing how thankful she is for this, like, sense of stability, right, and how she's so excited to be a part of Family Promise and, you know, hopes to even find her church family um, throughout this process, which I think is really awesome. Um, And I'm working with another family, family of three, um, mom, dad, and a two-month-old baby. And when I met them, they too were living in their car. Um, And their situation is really unfortunate because they ended up homeless because Mom had a really hard pregnancy, and her and the baby almost died. And because Dad was, you know, had to be by her side, he lost employment, and they just fell on hard times. And but, you know, by the grace of God, they found us, and I was able to bring them into the program. And they too are already making such like big strides towards permanent housing, right? Which I think is is awesome, but. You know, permanent housing is not our only goal for these families, right? We also want them to be able to fulfill other goals, such as just being a support system for their children. Um, And also, like, if they have their own personal goals, like a lot of our parents are in school. Like, we want to provide this temporary stability so they can pursue other things too, like finish school or finish whatever program they're in, get a job, Um, and our families have been able to do that. And I've only been here three months and I've already heard so many small successes with our families, which I think is awesome. Um, And I always say that I'm a case manager first, right, to these families, but I honestly feel like I'm their cheerleader because I find myself constantly cheering them on or like jumping up and down when they tell me a success story or something that they've accomplished for the week. Um, And I think that's really important. They need that sort of connection and that's where the structure of our program really, I think, comes into play. It's so unique with having this rotational model, right? And we can't do it without the churches. We can't do it without Mission Valley. Like, um, our families need that, that connection. And right now they have been, because of the pandemic, they've been in motels, which is not like the most ideal, but it's still, they're still safe and they're stable, right? Which is important, but our families also long for that connection. And you know, our one mom is saying that she wants to find her church home. So the churches play such a key piece in like making this thing happen. And not just like, 
with the housing, right? But I think also looking at it through a social work lens, like at a micro level, yes, we are helping individual families and we are able to get them resources and help them sustain while they're in our program. Um, but also at a more macro level, like overall, like what this program is doing, not just in San Gabriel, but like nationally, is we are destigmatizing what like homelessness looks like because there are so many pejorative connotations and assumptions and biases attached to like what being unhoused is. But really like our families are regular people like you and I who have fallen on hard times. So it's a blessing to be able to bring them into this program and to help them. But it's an even bigger blessing to connect them to churches such as Mission Valley and other churches in they're finding their spirituality, they're connecting to God, like, their kids are able to connect to God, so you guys are so important in all of this, and I'm really thankful to, like, be a part of this and and navigate this and, you know, combat homelessness, but again, it's not possible without you guys, so. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You made it through your first speech. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'd like to tag, tag a little bit on that to ad lib. Some of the uh, previous families that I keep in touch with, I, keep, I follow a lot of the families through Facebook. So if some of you have been around this long, Jaquilla, who was our bus driver lady, remember Jaquilla? I see a head nod. I don't know. Jaquilla uh, had two little girls, Ilana and Zariah, about this big. She's now married, and she has a son to add to the family, and she's not been homeless since she graduated from our program. And it was many years ago. I mean, her little 18-month-old girl who cried every time she saw a man, actually, is now about this big, you know, and her big sister is even taller. So Jaquilla quotes scripture on Facebook all the time, so I know she's connected with her faith community, and I'm just so proud of her. Um, Jeremiah and Sarah, I think you probably knew more recently. Well, Jeremiah and Sarah got a place to live in Koreatown with the help of um, Johnny Cabrera, who was the youth pastor at Trinity in Monterey Park. Um, Actually, his wife convinced a friend of theirs who was a landlord in Koreatown to reduce the rent by a couple hundred dollars so that Jeremiah and Sarah could afford it, and they moved in there. But they now have moved to Phoenix, and Jeremiah is a business owner and doing very well, and Sarah's on Facebook singing and has the most beautiful voice, almost as beautiful as yours. So just a little bit, oh, and one other one. I just want to remind you, the very first host coordinator here was Ron Yorizani. And we had a young man, Joey, who was working at the Michael Kors factory over the hill, Joey and Carmen and their children. Well, Joey was working the night shift and got off at 3 a.m. Ron actually donated a bicycle and helmet for Joey to get over the hill in time to walk his son to school in the morning. So that's the kind of help that you all give to our families as you get to know them and realize that they're just these small acts of kindness that make a big difference. I get very moved by this. Okay, so I'm going to move on. So 
As you may know, Melissa and her family have moved to Tennessee. Melissa was our executive director, and we were we are so grateful for the strong work that she did in Family Promise. Um, and we wish her much success in her new place. She's actually got a new job already in, in Tennessee, and she's helping refugees now who are homeless. So the work continues. Um, but we are now interviewing for an interim executive director. And that's, we've got some great candidates, but we aren't sure <laughs> exactly who it's going to end up being. So I would love to ask you all for prayer, for discernment, for good discernment, so that we pick the right interim executive director to help us to assess where we need to go and help us with our strategic planning and implementation going forward for a while. So if you guys can keep us in prayer, we'd really appreciate that. Another need we have is board members and committee members. So if any of you, and, and I don't take that lightly, leadership is hard to fill these days. And I want to just mention, Carrie is your leader as far as your host coordinator. Be kind to her, support her, because it is not easy to find good leaders, okay? But we have... We, have, we need to fill our board a little bit more. We also need committee members. We have four major committees. One is the governance committee that helps to recruit board members and also helps to really develop the board. We have fundraising. We have communications. And then the host coordinators committee, Carrie, is on that committee, but you might need help there too. Who knows? So that, those are some needs that we have, as well as with the gas crisis. If you have friends or neighbors that just want to do something small to help, a, a gas card would be just very welcome, just to help our families that, you know, to fill the tank and get, and get from church to church, actually, or to work, get to work. And as I said, prayer is always needed. So we need prayer all the time to keep this going, to keep our families in care and to keep our, you know, Remy and the other volunteers who support us uh, sustained through this, through this work. So now I would like to introduce a video that we would like to share with you. And I'm going to start by telling you about my experience. Last year, we had an event called Night Without a Bed. I don't know if any of you on Facebook saw that, but it was uh, a a fundraising idea on that National started, and it was called Night Without a Bed. And I participated by uh, pledging to spend one night not sleeping in my own bed. And I, the first year, I tried to do it in the car. That was a bit of a bomb. <laughs> but when I thought about it, you know, and I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, I have to imagine that I'm not going to have a home or my own bed. I will have my car. So where do I park it that it's safe? You know, where can I... I live in Pasadena. I can't park on the street overnight. Where do you park your car? Where do you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Where do you take your kids to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night if you're living in your car? Um, I just found this a really illuminating experience. I also found that... I didn't realize that when it's dark, really, truly dark outside, and you were trying to do something, like re, like change a child's diaper, for instance, in the dark, you can't turn on a light bulb to do that. 
You know, so there are all these little dilemmas that we have. And this is what our families face every night before they get to family promise. These are some of the challenges they have. So it was very illuminating. It was a good experience for me to realize how tough it really is on these families. And that's why I call them heroic, because they are truly heroic. Um, But these are not the only decisions that they have to make. They have to make heartwarming, heart-wrenching decisions uh, as they attempt to provide for their children. So we're going to share a short video about Luisa's story. Luisa is a graduate of Family Promise, and she was brave enough to want to share her experience with you. Her experience is not unique. It, is, it happens to many of our families before they come to us. So I, want, you know, I, I just want to introduce you to, to Luisa and um, have you play the video. I do want to end by thanking you for uh, your compassion and sacrifice for neighbors in need, And I would also like to read you a little bit from Romans. My nose. Okay, Romans 12.9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the video. My name is Luisa, and I have two kids, Vanessa, age 11, and Anthony, two. When Louisa came, it was our church. Uh, we had only done one hosting before, so we were not super experienced. So we went in there, and she treated me like really, really. She made me feel special, like like her guest, her family. I felt like I was in home or something. She showed me the room, and she said, "You guys are safe. This is your room. No one else could open the door." So that moment, I felt like I was safe. You could tell that she was just so relieved to have a safe place to be for the night with a bathroom right across the hall that it was a space that was just for her and her family. You know, nobody else was there. I was the only one working because my uh, husband left his job to become a professional gamer. When I took maternity leave, it took 34 days for the check to arrive. So... We were behind and we couldn't pay rent. And, yeah. Two weeks after I had the baby, we were evicted. Yes, I, I guess he got tired and he wasn't even helping. So he he just left and he's not homeless. We stayed homeless. Not him. He went back to his parents' house. It was hard because I had a newborn baby and a, a disabled daughter. She has autism. Not knowing what to do or where to go. Everybody knew that I was homeless, but nobody was able to help me. I slept with my kids in the car, and it it was hard. It was cold at night. If you wake up at the middle of the night and then you need to use the restroom, there's like, we need, we learn it how to use a cup. 
inside the car. Yeah. Yeah, one co-worker, he told me that he was, um, he had a place, but no restroom, just the room. And I said it was okay, because we needed, we needed a place. After three days, he said, I let you sleep in here because I really want a relationship with you. I'm alone. So he said, no, at least let me sleep with you next to you. And I said, okay, because at least I had a place for my kids. Yeah. So um, that's why when we went to the program, I was so happy to have a restroom at least for the kids. It was the first shelter that they called me. First one. After months. I will never forget her coming in the doors and her children had fallen asleep in the car and she came in, she was very frazzled and I think we must have had 20 volunteers and another family there. And I could see how overwhelmed she felt. I was really nervous. I even thought, when I was at the door, I, I was thinking like, if I, I questioned myself if I was doing the right thing, like to put my children in a shelter. But I said, okay, let's give it a try. <laughs> so we went in there and she treated me like really, really, she made me feel special, like, like her guest. For one week, you know, you're safe here. For one week, there's going to be unconditional love and acceptance and we'll play with your children and we'll help them as much as we can. We were uh, working with the case manager at Family Promise and she helped me referring me to one program or another and she even uh they make sure that you can afford to pay the rent uh, they help you work with uh, your credit uh, pay debts so it's not just to get a place and that's it you're by your own no 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 she makes sure that i was able to afford it and stay here and uh, and <laughs> Not be homeless again. <laughs> I don't want to be homeless again. <laughs> By the final day, she said to me that I feel like I finally have hope. I walked in here without any hope, and I've spent, you know, the past year has been extremely difficult, but I feel like I can move on. I feel like um, there's a chance for me. I feel blessed that I was given another chance because I felt at one point, I feel like this is it, no more. What else can I do? I'm here, I'm stuck. I feel like they gave me another chance. Right now, I'm ready. I have savings. <laughs> I'm prepared for everything. Like, I wanna be a volunteer, like for Family Promise someday. Cause yeah, it's not just a meal, it's just, it's something else, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's hope. Like, you don't know what that person is going through and you can change someone's life. So I love the opportunity to talk about this program because it's been so impactful to me uh, because I know that it makes a difference. I see how lives are transformed, not only the families that come into the program, 
uh, but those uh, of us, and there's hundreds of us that volunteer uh, for this program in our churches and our shelter networks and our case management. Uh, their heart is in it. Um, all of the work goes directly to these families. So I love to tell people because it's a great place if you're interested in volunteering, if you're interested in a, uh, a good place to donate money. It's it's fantastic, you know, that money is going directly into this program. It's directly changing lives. And I think that's, you know, sort of the essence and the most important part of um, any organization.